you can't allow a guy to start two quarterbacks. And it's the only platform that does it. Yahoo, Sleeper, uh, all of the other ones don't have him listed as a tight end. It's just bum-ass ESPN. <laughs> well, like I said, if they list him that way, uh, the argument I would make is that he's listed this way because you could use him at either one. Now you're just being butthurt because I'm planning on doing that, what they intended in the first place. <clears throat> I guess. I mean, except it's like to say you don't do fantasy baseball, but like if a relief pitcher has a starting pitcher tag, like they can be listed as both. Like yeah. you can't use him as a starting pitcher in the relief pitcher slot. Right. Like that's technically like taboo. So it's it, that's the situation I liken it to. But oh, well, I digress. We are live, and uh, obviously, if you guys are joining us, uh, we'll get into it in a second. We'll do the video, and then I'll explain what's going on. You guys should already know by this point what's going on, but let's just get this party started. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. on everybody welcome to infinity sports like i said at the start here we know why you're tuning in today it's the big charlie ward interview we're not going to disappoint you i know sometimes you guys tune in and you're like hey the guy didn't show up we already recorded the interview we're going to play it the second half of the show here uh it's about 30 minutes long we got a couple of things news we want to get into first uh first things first obviously if you are watching us on facebook live youtube live or twitter we certainly appreciate it if you miss any part of the show or you want to check us out audio version wise itunes spotify stitcher amazon music you can also watch a replay of the show the following day on youtube we do use a lot of visuals we're getting better at that so i recommend watching the video show personally if you want to reach out to the show we are available at infinity sports podcast on facebook instagram and at sports infinity five on twitter visit the website www.infinitysportspodcast.com you can visit and it will take you to all those sites as well as the youtube site and our great store where we have infinity sports apparel 12 is greater than nine and the sully collection which i am coming up with some ideas to freshen up the lineup there oh yeah we'll get we'll get a gain shirt you know because you know we we gotta we gotta get them gains on and we'll get something you know We're, we're transitioning folks you know so how are you doing today, Sully? I'm doing well, man. You know what I'm saying? I can't complain. I'm up here in, uh, you know, we're in Gainesville today. So, you know, we got the Gators. Going to beat up on Vandy today. So I can't complain, man. How you living? I'm not doing too bad at all. Uh, we got uh, Kevin Fitzmore says, Wayne, my guy. Cool. What's going on, Kevin? Glad you were watching the show. We certainly appreciate you. Uh, Jesse says, uh, keep it up, boys. And, Appreciate you, uh, you guys look better in the daytime, just like Tampa Tom, or Tampa Tom. <laughs> it's that Florida sunshine, man. You know, it just brings it out of you. 
I guess Sully's going background this today. So to yeah, I apologize. Off. I apologize. That's my fault. You know, we're in the tra- like I said, I'm, we're we're moving here, so I gotta I gotta bring my stuff down. But we'll be all set up by Monday. I got you. As I mentioned, the Charlie Ward interview is going to take place the second half of the show, so definitely stick around for that. Uh, He did sit down with us Wednesday. We asked him uh, several questions, some of those posed by you guys, the fans, and he will answer those. So it's really cool. Uh, If you can't tell, I'm very nervous during the interview. I think I say, um, about a thousand (laughs) times, and I almost never say it on our show, but I was just so nervous interviewing him. Yeah, I mean, it is. It was really tough not to be starstruck by Charlie. Uh, for one, he's so stoic. He's so calm and smooth, and and his energy was just calming to a point. But you could tell at the beginning of the interview, I think both of us were a little like, uh, 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 it's Charlie Ward. You know what I mean? Like, we grew up watching the guy. So, you know, I know a lot of our younger fans may not even know who Charlie Ward is, but, man, I mean, he was a phenom. So Definitely. And somebody who, you know, I emulated when I was playing pickup out in the yard, um, and also somebody who in Madden you would create him and then draft him, you know. So yeah, big, exactly. Big fan of Charlie Ward. Obviously, we got uh, some new stuff to get to, which we're going to do before the the interview. Here is our news. So the first bit of news or the biggest bit of news I feel like has gone on the past couple weeks or past week since we've been on has been the NBA draft. Uh, we talked about it. We had a scout on the show. We talked to him about some of the prospects. Great, great interview too. Great interview. He was fantastic. Lots of knowledge. And obviously we have the draft board. I brought it up here. You can see obviously Anthony Edwards, number one, James Wiseman, Lamelo Ball. This is the whole first round. Cole Anthony at 15 was a little bit of a surprise. We'll get into a couple of guys. Uh, I have some video I want to break down my take on them. I honestly could do an entire draft show, but we just don't have time for that right now. Uh, so we're just going to touch on a couple of different prospects. The first hey, thing man, have- you want to yeah. make it happen. We can make it happen. I'll tell you what, bro. You, you, we do the NFL draft hard. Let's do the NBA draft hard next time. All right, def- absolutely. Right. Uh, I'm going to get into uh, the first prospect I wanted to bring up was the number one overall pick, which is Anthony Edwards. Now, Anthony Edwards, just so you guys know, he's a six foot five guard out of Georgia. He was the fourth best high school prospect going into college. What the Timberwolves are going to get with him, I know there was some talk about possibly they might take Lamelo Ball. They weren't sure who they were going to take at one. Even James Wiseman was a little bit of a talk at one. They end up going with Edwards. He's the most complete player, the most ready to step in and play right now. I think so. He's going to give you extremely hard work, extremely good effort. Um, Overall, I think it's a good pick for them. I mean, there was no Shaquille O'Neal in this draft. There was no Tim Duncan. So you you take what you can get. Anthony Edwards is a great player. I agree. I don't think he's the most complete. I think uh, the ball kid is is the most complete player. Um, And honestly, I I think he may be the most NBA ready too. Anthony Edwards, his lack of – defensive ability on that side of the floor, I think may inevitably kind of be his downfall. I don't know if I expect him to succeed in the NBA. We'll see. I, I sure hope so. But I, I personally, I think I'd have gone with ball just those versatile, big point guards, man. I, I love them. I think they're the new, you know, kind of trend in the NBA. It seemed to fit. And I'm wondering if just cause they had D'Angelo Russell, they're like, well, we'll ride out with him at point guard. Um, I'm, so I don't know. D'Angelo Russell could have easily moved to the two. I think though. It could have. I, I, maybe Melo could too. I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, play he, just has, 
not a strong shooter, so I don't. That's very true. He's not, but he's a good scorer. I think he can attack the rim very well. So, but uh, overall, I understand why they picked Edwards. He is the much better shooter, and that's it's a shooting league right now. Now, the second pick was the one that I was the most excited about. This is the Golden State Warriors. First of all, not a lot of trades in this draft. Usually every draft, lots of trades, nothing. Uh, The Warriors, I thought for sure, were the prime candidate to trade. And I know those rumors out there, they might move the number two pick and Andrew Wiggins to get Giannis, which would have been nuts. But that did not happen. So they ended up taking James Wiseman. Wiseman's a seven foot one center out of Memphis. He only played three games last year. And a lot of that has to do with a scandal involving Anthony Hardaway. But in the three games, he averaged 20 points and 11 rebounds a game. He shot 77% from the field. Uh, He is a really, really good center. And he was the number one player in high school. He probably would have been the number one overall pick if he hadn't gotten suspended. But a lot of it just comes to Penny was his AAU coach, gave him $11,000 to move to from Nashville to Memphis, I think. Then Penny became the Memphis head coach. And then this whole thing got connected, which it seems kind of shady anyways. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this stuff happens every day in, in basketball, though. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely shady, and I agree. I, I'd have taken him number one overall, I think. Um, big men don't move like that. Uh, they're not that athletic, and when they are, it's special. Um, he's Anthony Davis-esque, I think. Um, if he can develop an outside game, and obviously, you know, Anthony Davis has the ability, you know, because everybody knows the story, he was six one and grew 12 inches overnight. Um, so he used to be a guard, uh, but if he can develop some handles in an outside game, I think James Wiseman can be a, a, a I mean, an incredibly successful player in the NBA. Well, he's a guy, he goes to the Warriors where you've got Steph Curry, you've got guys who are established, you're going to basically a playoff team right away. He doesn't have to be a 20.11 rebound guy his rookie year, which he would have to be on some of these lower teams. He gets to go into a situation where he can slowly develop and still help the team at the same time. Which I think is the perfect situation, especially for a big man. You know, especially for a big man who hasn't played in as long as he hasn't played. Uh, I think it's going to get some time for him to adjust. But, I mean, guys that long and that athletic usually succeed in the NBA. The third overall pick is a guy that you liked the most. That's uh, LaMelo Ball, obviously the youngest of the Ball brothers. He... A little bit different situation with him because he was at Chino Hills for two years. Then his dad pulls him out and sends him over to Europe to play in Greece and all these different overseas countries to play against professionals. They weren't that great. I mean, I think he averaged like 40 points per game against these guys. But it was that idea of playing against grown men. Then he goes to Spire Academy. He goes to the NBDL or the NBL, something like that. And overall, though, I mean, the kid grew just like Anthony Davis. He's 6'8 now. He's a 6'8 point guard. Um, and he just pretty much is an athletic freak. Other than shooting, which is his brother's downfall, uh, I mean, he seems legit in every single way. And to be fair, his brother actually, I'm pretty sure, shot like 36% this year from three. So he, he's, he's improved that greatly. Um, yeah, I mean, he's like a, a Ben Simmons clone, essentially, but I think he can shoot better than Ben Simmons, to be fair. I mean, he's not going to be knocking down, you know, step back Jays and shit, but I think he has a better uh, offensive game overall than Ben Simmons, but, and and I think he has much better court vision, too. Man, I think is a stud. I think he's going to be a really, really, really good player, honestly. I think so, too, and I think it's interesting that he goes to Charlotte to play for Michael Jordan, a guy that his dad said he could beat one-on-one back in the day. <laughs> yeah, did you see the interview? I did not, no. LaMelo actually mentioned, somebody asked him, do you think it'll ever happen? And he goes, well, you know, Michael's my owner and he's my dad, so I doubt it'll ever happen. But, hey, you never know, or some shit like that. It was, I mean, it was stupid, but 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's. I didn't like him when they did that whole uh, ball in the family or whatever. And I was watching him. He was the youngest one. He was a little punk. I mean, he was 16 mm-hmm. years old driving a Lambo. He was just such an arrogant. But I, I feel like watching him now, he's matured maybe from playing against grown men. But he just seems like a completely different person than he was at 16. And it's only been two years. Yeah. True. And I also think, you know, he like kind of everyone thought he was a douchebag, essentially, and an arrogant little you know, prick for lack of a better word. And I think he took that kind of like, he's receiving that feedback too, you know, from people out in social media and things like that. Uh, and I think he kind of took it to heart. And like you said, matured a great deal. And the pick that I thought was the biggest steal of the draft was Obi Toppin going number eight to the Knicks. I really thought that he would be a top five pick. I know Jesse was livid because the Pistons drafted seventh and they took Killian Hayes ahead of Obi Toppin. But just watching the guy's highlight reel and just watching him play for two years at Dayton. I know he's a little bit older than some of these guys. Listen, so that I think was he's 25. Him. I think that's his knock. Yeah. Oh, he's tw- I think he's 22 or 21. <laughs> yeah. two years. <laughs> in NBA years, that's, that's significant. That's and the thing, with, the thing with him is if you watch him play, he reminds me of Blake Griffin. Like he had 190 dunks in college. He, that, that's what he does. He gets to the rim. He plays, you know, armpits above the rim. I think that this is a guy who's going to be a highlight reel his rookie year all the way through his entire career, and he will need to develop the same way Blake Griffin did with like a post-up game and layups and a small fadeaway. But overall, I think the Knicks got a really, really good pick who's going to fit in really well with Knox and with R.J. Barrett and with Nicolina. I think he's going to be a highlight reel there and give them a really exciting young team. Yeah, you know, I remember talking with the scout, and and he said he would probably take Obi Toppin one um, just because of, you know, his metrics and how he values players and things like that. Um, I, so obviously he thinks it's a steal at eight. I don't know if I love it. I don't think it's the steal of the draft because, honestly, I love the Cole Anthony pick. I like the RJ Hampton pick too. Um, so, but I do think it's a really good spot for the Knicks. I think he's he's a player who's going to come in and, and succeed at what he does and knows what he does well and and do that well. And so I do think he'll have to expand his game, but still I think he can come in and be like a, a rim attacker uh, immediately, like you said, and, and be like a 12-point contributor right away. Well, NBA news outside of the draft, we have um, the big news really is Clay Thompson. You know, the word comes down, he missed all of last year for the ACL. ACL gets better. I guess he's playing some pickup ball with some NBA guys and ends up tearing his ACL. Uh, no, sorry, rupturing his Achilles uh, while playing. And uh, that's obviously bad news for Golden State. He's going to miss the entire year. Really bad news for Clay Thompson, a guy that I know you and I both really like and feel like could be an M- MVP you know, on a a team where he wasn't on Golden State. And it's just, I'm sorry to see him miss two full years now. Actually, Sully's skipping on us here for a second. When he gets back, we'll actually get his take on it. Like I said, I know me and him had a debate earlier about Clay Thompson versus uh, Allen Iverson. Um, Obviously, Clay's the 6'8". He's got the length. He's a much better defender. And he might be the most pure shooter that I've ever seen. So, uh, again, very sad to see it. Uh, waiting for the Sully to get back on. He's a little bit frozen right now. I'm sure he'll be back in a second. While we're waiting for him, I did want to move on to the next uh, topic, which is going to be the Boston Celtics, Gordon Hayward, who opted out of his contract or he didn't pick up his player option. 
he wants to work out a sign and trade deal with the uh, Indiana Pacers. I guess they want him. He wants to play there, but Boston needs to facilitate it because of salary cap reasons. And my understanding is that, you know, Indiana has put Miles Turner on the table. So Miles Turner is going to be included in the package for Gordon Hayward, which is a huge coup for Boston. But Boston's come back and said, well, we want more than that. We want Oladipo. We want, uh, you know, Tyler Warren or TJ Warren. That's not going to happen. The Pacers aren't giving up either one of those guys, certainly not both of those guys, as well as Turner to get Hayward. I think they're actually doing Boston a favor by, uh, you know, with, with picking up Hayward in the first place. He's a great player. I like Hayward. I think that he's underappreciated in Boston for sure because he is a complete small forward. But I, I just don't see the, uh, you know, the, the haul that Boston's asking for. And then, of course, the last bit of NBA news that I really had uh, before we get to the NFL is obviously the Lakers going out, trying to strengthen their roster, trying to get better, make a run for a repeat. And they go out and they sign Montrezl Harrell. Montrezl Hill is the reigning sixth man of the year. He averaged 18, almost 19 points per game last year in only 28 minutes. So he's a guy that's going to come in and have an immediate impact. You add him to uh, Dennis Schroeder, who, by the way, was the runner-up for sixth man of the year. And I think the Lakers are doing really well. And now the reports are coming out that they're looking to add Mark Gasol as well. So if they add Harrell, Schroeder, Gasol, they've got Wesley Matthews that they added, they are looking like they are set to make uh, a repeat for the NBA Finals. Sully rejoins us. Let's see. I ran through the NBA news. If you just want to kind of touch on a couple, I know you were talking about Clay Thompson. We also talked about Gordon Hayward and what the Celtics are asking for him. And of course, the Lakers Lakers got Montrezl Harrell. That's huge. Uh, Warriors getting Kelly Oubre. I mean, I think is huge. It's it's gonna kind of gonna offset the loss of Clay Thompson. I think a bit. Um, you know, Kelly Oubre isn't Clay Thompson, but he's also you know. A, coming off, a, I think, a 20-point season, you know, or an 18-point season and, you know, shooting 37% from three. So I think that'll soften the blow a bit and, and keep them contenders at least, you know, if Steph Curry comes back to the player he was. Um, so. And the last bit of news that we have before we get to our interview, which is what everyone's eager to see, <laughs> is some football news, actually. I have the Saints have named their starter for this Sunday. It is going to be Taysom Hill. It is not going to be Jameis Winston. Interesting. I know there's a lot of debate about this. I know there are some people who think that Jameis Winston is a top 10 quarterback in the league. But <laughs> I think that a lot of this boils down to Taysom Hill has been there in the system for a few years. They brought him back this year as a backup before they got Jameis Winston. I think they're giving him a shot. They're saying, listen, we're not going to keep holding you back. Here's your chance to show to us that you are a quarterback and that we should keep you. Yeah, I, I think that may be it too. I mean, also, we don't know what's going on in practice. You know, Taysom Hill may just be outperforming, you know, Jameis Winston. You know, also, Taysom Hill may come in and be the starter for, you know, a quarter or a, a series. Like, I truly, I, you know, it, it should be interesting to see. I am not in the camp of, I don't love Jameis Winston in this fit of an offense. I just think he's a, he's a different player than, than uh, Drew Brees, he wants to push the ball down the field, and that's just not who the Saints are. So that's why I don't. I don't think he fits very well. Yeah, I mean, I just think that Hill is going to have a short leash, like you said. He might come out after the first quarter. I think if he goes out there, he throws a couple of incompletes to guys who are wide open and just mm -hmm. makes some bad passes. I think they do bring Jameis Winston in. I do think he is a more complete passer than Taysom Hill. So I think that he's the guy. 
Hill's going to get his chance. I think if he comes out, he throws a touchdown or something or leads a touchdown drive, his first drive, he buys himself more time. And if he can make it through the end of the game, I don't know. I think that puts into question Jameis Winston, who I think both of us thought was going to be the heir apparent to Drew Brees. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of seemed that way. And he still may. I mean, Taysom Hill's, uh, you know, 31. So it's not like, I mean, yeah, he's probably got a, a, enough time to be a, a quarterback. But also, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'd, I'd fully commit. They they had Teddy Bridgewater, who played great in five games, and they wouldn't commit to him as, as their, you know, heir apparent. So, you know, who, who knows? I think I think there's a lot to be seen still. Well, that wraps up the news. It is time to hear from Charlie Ward. Like I said, what I'm going to do here is we did pre-record this interview, and we were able to kind of add our graphics and stuff uh, following after the interview. So that's going to play. I have it on another screen. I'm going to share my screen, bring up the interview, and the remainder of the show will be uh, Charlie Ward. So definitely, you know, if you try to ask questions, he's not going to be able to answer them at this point because we already uh, recorded the interview. But hopefully you guys enjoy it. I know that we did. Uh, Bear with me as I try to do this. Uh, screen share because I've only done this I believe one time so this should be interesting folks it should be interesting but it should also um, I want that to take up the full screen is that and let's see actually oh, okay that's right because I have that screen up I want to change that Oops, here we go again, folks. Again, uh, I apologize, folks. I'm still trying to figure out how to do this here. Here we go. No, that's not it. (laughs) Here we go. All right, again, I apologize for all the dead air. Um, Here we go. I'm hitting the play button, and Charlie's interview is... Not playing. We have no sound. No sound? Oh. Um. Whoops. <laughs> so. So hang on. I'm pausing this here. There's no sound apparently. I uh, apologize, guys. Again, if you're tuning in for the interview, it seems like there are some people tuning in. Um. And I have it up and running. We're not getting sound. I hear sound in my headphones. You're not hearing sound in yours. You're saying. No, I am not. Okay. And let me. Oh, I know why. All right. Again, apologies, everybody. This is going to be a really long section of the podcast. Feel free to skip forward. <laughs> because, <laughs> um, all right. So let's just do it this way. Um, and remove from the stream, screen share. I'm talking to you guys through what I'm doing here. You know, at like, least it's not dead silence. No, true. And so now we've got it. I had to share audio. That was the issue. Here we go. Now for a little over a week, obviously, we have Charlie Ward, great Florida State quarterback, point guard, New York Knicks point guard, joining the show. We're very excited to have him on. Charlie, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, not a problem. Um, obviously, this interview is brought to you by Invader Coffee. Uh, it's 100% organic, 100% air roasted, 100% money back guarantee. It's a veteran-owned business. Enter the code Belly Up on the website. You get 15% off your entire order. We appreciate them sponsoring the interview. And uh, Charlie, we had just a handful of questions for you. I know our fans had come in with some questions. And the first question that really has more of a request than a question, which is kind of just talking about your journey from being a top-rated high school quarterback in Georgia 
to the year of junior college, getting to Florida State, which if sports reference is correct, was as a punter initially, and then kind of becoming the quarterback and then winning the Heisman. Uh, yes, um, that was definitely a journey. <laughs> um, that's something that you know, I think we all uh, have in our lives is a journey. And so uh, it was um, something that you know, I wouldn't change because it helped develop me into a, the type of athlete or, or around it because you know, I was a quarterback in high school. I um, also was the punter. And then my true freshman year, I ended up, you know, being the punter for Florida State and winning the, um, the job. And and so that was uh, something I had to, you know, learn from, mature through, because I didn't necessarily go to college to be the punter. Um, but that's what God put in my path to do. And I was grateful for that, prepared myself uh, for that opportunity. Um, and it was an invaluable experience, um, even though at the beginning, you know, I wasn't for it uh, because I felt like I was losing a year of eligibility to do something I didn't come to school for. Uh, but that was just immaturity um, from from immature mindset. And so um, I'm grateful that, you know, I had the experience because now I can talk about it and tell others, you know, sometimes we don't know what God has in, plan, has in store for us uh, while we're on our journey but he's definitely preparing us for uh, something. Right. Now, you're obviously known as, as a great two-sport athlete, uh, you know, in your college days. But, you know, you were also a standout high school baseball player, apparently, drafted by the Brewers in 93 and then the Yankees in 94. And apparently in 94, you were a standout in the Arthur Ashe tournament. Uh, what, uh, what sport did you have the most actual fun playing? Uh, well, I have a book out. It's called The Athlete. And uh, the reason it's called The Athlete is because that's what I am. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, what, that's for sure. And that's what I do. Um, and so I just enjoyed every sport. Um, didn't matter what, what sport it was. I enjoyed every sport. Um, if you call me a standout in tennis, uh, you know, hitting the ball back across, being able to hit the ball back across <laughs> the net uh, consistently. Um, I guess I would be a standout, but not on that level. But um, <laughs> it was fun, you know, having the opportunity to play against, um, you know, John McEnroe, uh, be with Joe Dumars. You know, that was a great experience for me. Um, and on center court, you know, it was a big <laughs> time. So uh, that was a great, great time, uh, part of my life. And I'm grateful that I had that experience for sure, especially the, the tennis part. Um, everyone kind of knows about the basketball and football and some may know about baseball, but, you know, tennis was something I, uh, enjoyed just doing not all the time, but just going out and hitting, hitting the ball. That's awesome. The question I have for you here, oops, next is the, uh, the use of quarterbacks, uh, in today's football game, because I know that you're, Favorite player you'd mentioned was Doug Williams. That's why you wore number 17. Uh, Doug Williams was the first black quarterback to win the Super Bowl. Um, you were the first black quarterback in Florida State history. And obviously the old, you know, kind of racist adage about black quarterbacks, right? It was a very athletic, but they can't, you know, 
comprehend a complex playbook. And so that's why guys like Warren Moon went and played in the CFL first. And I'm curious, when you see a team like the Baltimore Ravens using Lamar Jackson the way that they use him with 15, 17, 18 carries a game, is more like a running back. Does that kind of play into that adage or like feed that, you know, uh, old thought process? Um, no, I think, um, you know, mindsets have changed uh, over the course of time and stigmas uh, have been, you know, kind of washed away in a lot of ways. Uh, but, you know, what they're doing with Lamar is, you know, he's a, he also throws the football really well. Um, and they're using his ability uh, to help them, you know, win football games. And he, he does, he plays smart. Um, you know, it's not like, you know, RG3 this uh, first year, I think, when they changed the offense and he was having great success. And then all of a sudden he started having all these major injuries. Uh, whenever you watch Lamar play, um, he does a great job throwing the football, but also runs it and runs it well. Um, he's, he's a different type player. He's built for it, and he didn't take uh, big shots. And so that's very important, um, I think, in the way that they are handling him. Um, his first year, you know, did a lot more, you know, quarterback runs. I think now they're dropping him back, and he's making some uh, decisions to run the football when it's smart. Uh, but they also have some quarterback runs that they still do, but it's off of his own read, which, you know, that's uh, – you know, your choice um, <laughs> in a sense. So I don't think that's feeding into any kind of stigma because you have other quarterbacks in the league um, doing things that um, that they're, they're playing to their strengths. Um, but uh, he, like I said, you know, he's not just a runner. Um, he throws the ball really well. He's improved in that area. And I think that's something uh, I think over the course of our time, you know, we, we kind of, gotten used to the dual threat uh, quarterback and now the NFL is starting to catch on uh, to that uh, piece and you're starting to see those guys uh, tear up the league. No, I actually completely agree. I, one of my best hobbies is I do a lot of prospect scouting and, and honestly like pocket passers are, are kind of a dying breed now and it's almost a detriment when scouting a player because you want them to have these movement skills and be able to get out of the pocket and things like that. Um, now you had the rare and I don't know, kind of amazing feat here. You played with the trio. You, you played against MJ during the second three feet. Uh, you played against Kobe in his prime and against LeBron at the very, very start of his career. Now, just, can you speak a, a little bit about, you know, each one and then where you personally rank them in, in the greatness list? Uh, well, they're all very good basketball players oh, yeah. um, and they've um, done great work in the community helping others you know whether it's through camps uh, whatever the things schools uh whatever their um community uh, philanthropic um part is and i mean when it's all said and done it comes down to a personal preference you know people get caught up into who's number one number two and number three um, they all are uh, very good basketball players in their in their time. Um, you know, just overall, you think about the, the championships that they've won, um, all of them. And people keep saying this guy's won more, but it really depends on you know 
the era, the team, um, you know, what Le LeBron has done, being in the finals like 10 out of his 17 years or whatever, how long he's been in, you know, that's just amazing. Um, and, you know, what Kobe did, winning five, I think it was, on championships. You know, some was some great players. Some, you know, he had to manufacture with some um, solid players. And then Jordan, of course, went in six. Um, probably would have won more if he would have stayed in the game. But, you know, it was just they all have their own strengths uh, when it comes to who's the best. And I'm just a big believer. You know, I live near a, a cow pasture. And, you know, I don't, when, I go by, when I go by there, uh, the – there's like multiple cars. There's more than one um, in that big cow pasture. And so in the NBA era, um, why can't we just put more than one guy in that that pasture, um, if you want to take that analogy? And so I just think they're all should be in that goat um, pasture. <laughs> and let's just – they all let's all just celebrate them. If Wayne's got me through too, so Wilt's my number one. <laughs> Will? Oh, Will. Wilt. Will, yeah, Will Chamberlain. I think you look at what he did in his heyday where he's averaging 50 points per game, the 30 30 games. I mean, just the dominance will never be matched by any player ever again. Yeah, yeah I mean, and people will shoot that down because. tallest guys um, and so you know that's just the uh, the challenge he was bigger than everyone outside of you know Bill um, and and so it's just one of those deals where everyone has their their guy and let's just throw them all in there because you know, they're all pretty good pretty good basketball players Uh, Sully had a question about uh, coaching at uh, the different levels. So now, to piggyback off the three great players, you also worked with three incredibly great coaches with Pat Riley, Greg Popovich, Jeff Van Gundy. And, and I'm curious, like, why great college coaches, in your opinion, don't always translate into really good NBA college or into, into NBA coaches? And, and what is, like, I guess the main difference that separates a great college coach from an NBA coach, you think? Um, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there have been some people who've been able to transition and make it happen. Uh, there have been some that just wouldn't cut out for, you know, the switch, whether it's pro to college or college to pro. Um, but, you know, the challenge that I had was, you know, I enjoyed working with the young players when I was coaching um, in the NBA. Um, playing was great you know I regardless of how old I was I was always coachable uh, but at some point you know the, the players and they have active voice and they should uh, which I think most coaches and even in high school I try to work to have my kids have an active voice uh, in the decisions um, of course we're going to make the final decision but we want them to have an active voice uh, but you know there are a lot of factors you know there's finances there's outside interests um, and sometimes if you're not on a motivated team, 
um, you know, guys who are motivated to play at a high level, be the best teammate. Then you start getting into all the other things, uh, the attitudes, the mindset that I know it all, um, trying to take over the coach's job. Um, and that's part of, you know, just the whole NBA uh, players deal in some form of fashion. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was a great experience for me um, because it taught me the other side. Um, I'd been on the, the player side, but just to see the, the coach's side of it um, and the time that you have to put in to prepare for um, the game, uh, the, the amount of film that you have to watch to make sure the guys are prepared. Um, and so you do that as a player, but you get the scout report as a player. And the person who's putting the scouting report together uh, gets, uh, you know, gets to watch all the film, the plays, and you have to diagram all those things. And so, you know, that's just that's the best part of you know coaching. I thought in the NBA for me was being, one was being able to uh, work with the young players, you know, help them with their development, um, and secondly, understanding how to put a game plan together, um, and then implement that game plan. Actually, not just me doing it, but watching others uh, do it. And, and it started to make sense, you know, after I started playing, um, you know, how things got put together. You know, so, so that's something now in high school, I'm trying to be the best coach for our kids to help prepare them for their next um, step, which is most of them are college or just to be, you know, very good fathers and sons and citizens one day. Yeah, would you say that the, uh, I'm always curious, the difference between, you know, obviously high school practice, a lot of running, uh, getting in shape when you get to the college level, right? I mean, you still have some of that, but I feel like once you get to the pro level, a lot of these guys, you know, they get in shape on their own. Like they do their own workouts to stay in shape. So I would think that an NBA practice is probably more just like going over like uh, plays, right? Uh, I mean, it's still drill work. Um, you just you break things down. Um, there's a lot of um, I played on the coach Van Gundy, so a lot of we did a lot of dummy offense um, to make sure that we understood and knew what we did what, what we we're supposed to do. Um, there's a lot of you know four on four drill teaching, uh, whether, whether whatever concepts we were trying to get across. Uh, we did a lot of that. Um, some shooting drills, competition uh, drills. Um, and so, you know, it's very, regardless of what level you're at, uh, it's still the same. Um, you know, guys do get in shape, but they still um, need to be able to run up and down, even though, I mean, it's more games. So you're not going to be running up and down a lot, you know, just for guys to say the legs, but they also have them Masseuse and cold and hot tubs and all different things, you know, their fingertips uh, in the pros. But I don't think the practices from a tactical standpoint are different. Um, and then even in college, the pace probably is about, you know, is different uh, because sometimes you may not get pro guys to especially veterans who've been around for a while, you know, they're not going to get them practicing at a, a fast pace all the time. 
So that's something you have to gauge. Um, and in college, you're, you know, you have to gauge that as well with the guys that are playing a lot of minutes, but you're only playing twice a week. Uh, the pros, you're playing more. So you're not going to, you know, have taxing practices. We did, you know, <laughs> when we were the Knicks, uh, but that's not happening today. One of my uh, questions here is for NCAA basketball. I had read an interview uh, that you did where somebody asked you who the best college basketball player that you played against was, and you mentioned Randolph Childress uh, from Wake Forest. And obviously you can't watch a 90s ACC highlight video without him crossing up George Phelps from North Carolina, giving him the come here and then shooting the three in his face. And my question for you was kind of about, you know, Childress, you guys are similarly sized. Um, he obviously – he averaged 20 points per game in the same conference that you played in, played with Tim Duncan. You guys both have the opportunity to go to the NBA, but you had a 12 or 13 year NBA career, whereas Randolph Childress played maybe a year with the Pistons and then went overseas or whatnot. Why couldn't his game translate to the NBA? Um, I don't know. I mean, that, that's, that's a hit or miss deal. We to talk about, you know, NBA um, and why some guys make it, why some guys don't make it. Uh, and it's really a preference to where the team is. You know, I was blessed to be in a situation where I didn't really have to play early on. Uh, and I also was blessed to be able to have, you know, a coach that ended up becoming a head coach uh, work with me in my skill development. And so, you know, sometimes it's about being in the right place, being in the right situation, um, because there was a new coach that came in my second year that didn't see me as a valuable um, piece to his 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 uh, his team. And so I sat in the bench for half a season, and that kind of stuff happens. You know, if you're not given an opportunity, uh, you could be you know easily shipped out. And so sometimes it's not about your game matching or, you know, being, being a part of the NBA, um, it could be just situations. And so Randolph was definitely a, a very solid basketball player. Um, and, you know, he was a tough cover because he had that green light uh, all the time. And when a guy has a green light all the time, it's uh, very difficult to cover. All right. And the first question we had from our fans was from Terrence Cardi. He's a fan of the show. And he had asked, uh, he said he was always curious because he watched that Notre Dame, Florida State 93 game. And he said the whole time he's watching the game, the announcers and he himself and his family are watching. They're all thinking the same thing. They said, why is work done? Not in the game. Why is he not getting more touches? And he ends up coming into the game later. And you guys you know, kind of make that comeback. But he was curious if you had any insight as to why work done wasn't playing more in that game against Notre Dame. Um, I mean, I don't know why. I know I missed him a couple times. One when he was wide open, um, that I threw it to someone else after watching the film. And, you know, after watching the film, you, you're definitely 100% correct. So, um, during the time, I think Ward played probably about as much as he had played um, during the season. And so we had Sean Jackson uh, there as well. And and so, you know, Ward was a spark plug. He actually, you know, scored one of our touchdowns. 
um, during that during that uh, I think it may have been the second quarter um, where we had some issues. But you know, Ward was in the game when when we needed him, uh, and you know, we just weren't able. I mean, we the last second miss, you know, in a sense, and so we fought back um, to at least give ourselves a chance, and that's what championship level teams do. And I don't know if if it was just because work wasn't in the game as much as everyone thought he should be, but you know it is what it is. And you know work made a great impact, um, not just in that game, but on our season. You know with his his playmaking ability, and he probably could have played more, but that just wasn't you know in the cards. All right, now the next question here is from our uh, good buddy, John Vincent, and he wants to know if you did it all over again, but in 2020, making the same decision, playing basketball over football? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to fast forward because as I said, <laughs> right? we talked about earlier, you know, mindsets have changed. Uh, people have changed. Guys now my size are going number one in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, same type of uh, skill set uh, in the NFL draft, I should say. Yeah, and and, and so you know, in the NBA, you know, there. I don't know if I'd have been able to make it be a first round pick in the NBA. Maybe I would have. I don't know. But as I said, the times have changed. I'm grateful for the time that I did go in um, and get an opportunity, uh, but. You know, if they're drafting guys my size in the first round, like they did for Kyler Murray and um, drawing a blank on, he's in Cleveland. Oh, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. You know, then, you know, I probably would have been 100% committed to the NFL. But at that time, I wasn't, they weren't. Drafting guys my size in the first round like they're doing today, um, so I wasn't one hundred percent committed, um, and so I left my options open. So now, considering what you went through to start, uh, this is from my uncle Rick Shockley, who's a lifelong uh, uh, Florida State fan. He he loves you to death, man. Um, uh, he wants to know, considering everything that went down, you know, with the punter and uh, or having to play punter, and, and I know you said that built yourself up and things like that, but with the new rules today and being able to transfer on a dime, do you think you might have transferred? And if not, or if anything, and how do you feel about said transfer portal now? Um, no, I, I wouldn't transfer. I, I went to Florida State. I don't Florida. think so. Yeah, I didn't think so. Um, and, and the reason was uh, Coach Bowden and the work that he had done building up the program. And they had already told me before I got there that I was going to have to wait, be patient. That was just the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he was going to allow me to go and play basketball uh, as well. And so, you know, I, I enjoyed my time. You know, I was going to be here for five years, was able to get my degree. Um, and, and so it was um, something that never crossed my mind, you know, even after punting. And I'm grateful that I had parents that I could go and lean on to 
get wisdom from. Um, but I was also close to home. I mean, you know, I was going to have to compete for a job regardless of where I went. Um, and so I was going to wait my time and compete, you know, where I knew the system and those types of things. So that just wasn't in my DNA. And to each his own. You know, guys feel like they need to move somewhere. In this day and age, it's popular. Uh, and for some, it might be the right thing. It turned out well for some guys. Uh, then it, it's been the, the opposite for you know most guys. Uh, just trying to find their way, trying to find an opportunity that you know, scholarship. Um, but they feel like they need to move and you know I, i'm just a big believer that you make your your decisions and you live the results i mean we can sit and talk about them say this is selfish and all these types of things but when it's all said and done we have to sit back and see what's best for for us and if that is what's best for you then you make the decision and you just have to live with the consequences. So if your if your decision doesn't add up to what you felt was the right thing, that's on you. Um, and like I said, we can sit here and talk about a guy transferring or opting out and all these types of things. That's all cool, but we don't have to live with the decision. And so, I mean, we can we can make it to where we're saying he's selfish or he's a great team teammate. Um, and, and what have you, but you know, people have to do what's best for themselves. And I know as a coach, one of the things, one of my big things is I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that our guys are getting what they need. Uh, some guys feel like they want to develop faster uh, than I may want them to develop and whatever they're trying to get accomplished, then some guys move on. Um, and I just, I, I, I'm willing to live with that. Um, and I talk to parents all the time about it, but I, um, I'm going to do what I feel is best for our entire program. And if you're a freshman on the varsity and we have other guys who are uh, guys that are in front of you, then you have, I, I'm big on roles, especially in basketball or in football then as well. You know, you have to play your role whatever your role is, and that role can change over the course of the season and definitely over the course of the year because people will graduate. But sometimes people are impatient with their role at the time and they want a bigger role, and so they move, move on. And the thing that burns me up is they try to find a way uh, that you're not doing something or try to you know, demean your character in the process like you're – a bad coach or whatever. So that's the reason why they're leaving. Um, and it all comes down most times to just straight up playing time. That was the last question we had. And like I said, I really appreciate you coming out. I didn't know if there was a, a place. I know you have the book, The Athlete Out. I know you do a lot of public speaking. I didn't know, you know where our fans, if they wanted to find you, other places where they could find you. I do a podcast on the Believe uh, Network. Uh, is believe in the ACC with Lloyd Spence. And um, actually tonight we're, we're have a guest. Our guest is our coach, Davo Sweeney. Oh, nice. wow. Maybe nice. not know who 
Coach Dallas Wayne. But um, he's, he's going to be our guest tonight. And looking forward to uh, catching up with Coach Sweeney. And that's, uh, I think it's on, it'll be on YouTube, uh, Facebook Live, one of those uh, outlets. But it's, I uh, believe, in the ACC. Uh, I think it's on the Noisemaker page. Okay. That's noise is N-O-I-Z. All right. Perfect. Yeah, we'll definitely direct uh, some traffic that way. Uh, this sounds like a really great interview, uh, especially with his star quarterback missing a couple of weeks with the whole COVID thing. Uh, if I was him, I would keep that going until, uh, you know, the NFL draft so he doesn't leave school, you know? <laughs> well, he's leaving. I'm sure he's leaving uh, to go uh, to the next level, but I'm happy that he was uh, healthy throughout the entire, you know, process. But I'm not excited about him coming back. <laughs> yeah, it's not a not a strong year for the Knowles here in Tallahassee, that's for sure. Uh, no, but Coach Norville is uh, working to build yes. a culture, um, some stability, um, and of course, it's going to come down to you know getting playmakers, guys who will play their role, continue to develop. Uh, players over the course of their years, and he's playing a lot of freshmen now, freshmen and sophomores, and so, you know, sometimes you have to take your lumps and uh, for future for future game. That is the truth. Such a quarterback quarterback driven uh, league, so you know we just got to find one there, and then you know hopefully all else will follow suit. That is true. Well, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time. I know you have a busy schedule, and I we're definitely going to. Tune into the uh, the Noisemaker podcast there, the Believe ACC. I can't wait to hear what Dabo has to say, and I, I want to hear how you guys uh, perceive that. Interview. I, again, super appreciative of you coming on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. Appreciate you guys having me. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. How are you, too? Yes, sir. That was Charlie Ward. We appreciate everybody tuning in to the interview. He was fantastic to have. Obviously, uh, we're hoping to have more guests on as well who are just as – uh, good. I know that it's going to be tough to find anybody as good as Charlie Ward, but uh, uh, definitely it was really cool having him on and asking him questions. Yeah, it was great. I mean, the the insight he has and, you know, the stories he has. And, I mean, he was such a cool guy, too. That Man, it's hard not to be starstruck when you're doing an interview with Charlie Ward. But, man, that was that was fun. Well, again, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, I'll throw it to Kenny. I think I did it last time, so I'm stealing from you here. But, Kenny, what's going on, my man? 